0: Um, If you have a Bible with you, um, if you would turn to John chapter 1 and from verse 1. John chapter 1 from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. John chapter 8 and verse 12 when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is utterly amazing Jesus is awesome he is glorious he is the magnificence of god himself for god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him jesus is holiness Personified. Jesus is holiness made into a person. Jesus is righteousness. He's just. He's not just righteous. He is righteousness. Jesus is the definition of wisdom. And Jesus is the definition of peace. Jesus is love. The purest, strongest, most outrageous, extravagant, exquisite, all-empowering, all-encompassing love in a person. Jesus is purer than you could ever imagine. He's more powerful than we can comprehend. We cannot really fathom or understand his beauty because he's so glorious. Have you looked at him lately? Have you looked at Jesus lately? Have you gazed upon him in his splendor and his magnificence? Have you caught something of his glory? Oh, it may be that you are going through a dark time, through a challenging time. But have you stopped yourself lately? I don't mean to belittle what you're going through. I don't mean to look down on or make light of what can be real precious. But this room is packed full of people who like the Psalmist, in the midst of their dark time, in the midst of their challenging time, in the midst of the most painful of times, have caught hold of themselves and said, "So you will magnify the Lord. You will look at him again. You will gaze upon him in his beauty again. And I speak to my very innermost being and I say, look at Jesus. Look at how holy and awesome and righteous he is. How just in his judgments. How true in all of his ways because he defines truth. You cannot get truer than Jesus. You cannot get more holy than Jesus. You cannot get more righteous than Jesus. You cannot get more gracious or compassionate or tender. You cannot out-accept Jesus. Because he's the definition of acceptance. You can't be more gracious, more loving, more tender because he defines all of those things. He is before all things, he is through all things, he's at the end of all things. He's Jesus, he's magnificent, he's the God of the universe, he's the lover of my soul, he is closer than a brother. He's more intimate than a lover. He's more tender than a mother. But he's the ruler of the universe. He's the ruler of everything. And everything that exists exists because of him and for him and through him. Jesus is awesome. He doesn't doesn't just want us to sing nice little songs, He's magnificent. Have you seen him? Have you met him? Have you gazed upon his beauty and found him taking your breath away? If you don't have those moments, then let me assure you, there is more of him for you to meet. And the truth is, for every single one of us, there is more of him for us to meet and to encounter And you will never, ever exhaust the infinite treasures that are in his person and nature and character. You'll never grow tired. It will never get dull. If you keep looking at him, there is always more for you to discover. If you think you've got Jesus sussed out and understood, then think again, my friends, because Jesus is brilliant, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is glorious with the glory of eternity. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All of God in a human person. Jesus came to put all of God on display. God of healing the God who gives life who is life who breathes life into dead things and they come alive again Jesus came to put God who loves the unloved the marginalized the oppressed the captive Jesus comes puts that God on display in a human person the God who sets the captives free, the God who opens blind eyes, who unstops deaf ears, who brings hope to the hopeless, who provides for the poor, who lifts up those who are downtrodden out of the mud, out of the dirt, out of the mire, and restores them and puts on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He puts that God on display. He lives his very life. His human life, tempted like you in every way. Facing the same pressures that you face. They might have looked different in first century Palestine. But facing all the same pressures as you face. Facing all the same temptations in one way or another. And yet he lives an entirely obedient, sinless life. Look at Jesus and you see God the Father. Jesus brought glory to the Father. Jesus made the Father famous. But I want you to understand, I want us to understand something very, very important this morning. In bringing glory to the Father, oh, how he did. I hope you would agree that Jesus has brought glory to the Father. But in doing that, in bringing glory to the Father, in making the Father famous as it were, Jesus did not start with nothing. Jesus did not start with nothing. Let me show you what I mean. Look at John chapter 17. John 17 and verses 1 to 5. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Jesus had glory with the Father before the world began. And Jesus receives glory from the Father so that he can give glory to the Father. Do you see how that works? See how Jesus prays He says, glorify me so that I can glorify you. He says, Father, give me glory so that I can give glory to you. John 17 and verse 20. John 17 and verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them... The glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. And I've made you known to them and will continue to make them known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Father, give them the same glory that you gave to me just like you gave glory to me so that I could glorify you with my life. Now, Father, Jesus, ruler of the universe, is praying for you and saying, Father, would you give them, just like you gave me glory, so that I could turn that glory around and glorify you with my life, would you also manifest glory in their lives so that they can glorify you with their lives in the same way that I have? Isn't that amazing prayer that Jesus prayed for you? If you have believed in the message of the gospel, then Jesus prayed that prayer for you. He prayed, Father, would you pour out the same glory as you manifested in my life into their lives so that they can glorify you just like I have glorified you. Knowing he's about to send us into the world. He already prayed it in verse 18 that he would send us into the world in the same way that the Father sent him. Knowing that he was returning to his Father after he had accomplished all that he'd sent him to do, knowing that he would return to the Father and send his followers into the world in the same way that he was sent, he prayed, Give them the glory that you gave to me. See, he calls us to steward the glory that he places upon our lives. He calls us to steward, to look after. What do we mean by that expression, to steward? Well, think of it like this. You see, Jesus told a parable about people who, servants who were entrusted with some talents, with some money by their master. And if we kind of bring it into the 21st century, it's like, I don't know, a stockbroker. Or an investment banker. Now I know we don't always like them, but actually God loves them. So let's be kind and gracious. And You know, when they first start out, they don't have any money of their own. They're not trying to produce something out of nothing, but they're actually taking what belongs to someone else. Normally someone who's pretty wealthy, pretty rich, and they entrust them to use their money that belongs to them in order to make more money for them. Yeah? So the broker takes what belongs to them and does something with it in their life and then gives back more to them. Now, of course, the broker hopes that he will get rich along the way. And actually, before you think, oh, tut-tut, That's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to get rich, whether that's materially, whether that's in all other kinds of blessings in our lives. Let's not get focused on the money. But he wants us to be richly blessed, living in his favour, as we participate in using what he has poured out in our lives to bring glory back to him. You see, sometimes we feel so much pressure because we think we've got to produce something out of nothing. We think that God has just about let us off, miserable, kind of awful, dirty, rotten sinners that we are, and we kind of stay in that mentality. We think that he's just about let us off. We've just about escaped from hell and now we're starting from nothing. We've got nothing and we've somehow got to produce something for this onerous taskmaster who's still pretty angry really and he's just waiting to smite us. But that is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. He wants us to produce awesome glory for his name. He wants us to make Jesus famous. He wants us to bring glory and honour. He wants people to look at our lives. And just like they looked at the life of Jesus and they saw the Father, He wants people to be able to look at your life and see Jesus, see the Father, see the goodness of God. The healing power of God, the resurrection life of God, the justice, the mercy, the grace, the compassion, the righteousness, the holiness, the sinlessness, the obedience, the extravagance, the generosity, the happiness, the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the compassion. The belief in the oppressed and the marginalized. The belief in all people. The desire to raise up and lift people up from where they have been trapped. He wants people to look at us and see all of that in us. But you don't have to kind of look around and think, how can I possibly be that? You have to receive the glory that he pours out because we are those who by the Holy Spirit of God are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And we have to learn to live in and accept and participate with what God is pouring out in our lives. You see, this is why Jesus died and shed his blood for you. We discover all the way through the Old Testament again and again and again the blood of sacrifice was poured out to cleanse the temple so that the glory of God could come and be made manifest in the midst of his people. And Jesus shed his blood so that you, the temple of God, could be cleansed, so that all your sin could be taken away so that the glory of God could come and dwell in you. That's why Jesus gave his life. That's why Jesus shed his blood for you as an individual. Why with you in mind, he bled and died on that cross because he wanted to cleanse you, he wanted to make you whole, and he wanted to pour out his glory in your life. You are created to be a temple That carries the very presence of God into this world. That is the purpose of God from the very beginning. He made us and he said, now go and fill the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it. Bring it under my rule and my reign. Fill the earth with my presence and my glory, my rule, my goodness. Let my kingdom come to the ends of the earth. But we rejected it. We went our own way. We did our own thing. We threw it back in God's face. We weren't having any part of it, but still he came after us. He said, I'm not abandoning my plan. I will have my sons and my daughters who live for my glory. I will have a people that the world can look at them and be blessed by what they see of me in them. I will be famous to the ends of the earth. And so that's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus died and shed his blood, not only so that you could be forgiven and spend eternity with him, which of course is a desire of his heart, but also that you could fulfill the purpose for which you were created in the first place, to bring glory and honor to God. Because you, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter one, were made for the praise of his glory. You were made. that's why you exist. Some of you heard you, uh, some of you heard me tell the story of a time some time ago, I think it was about five years ago now, um, with Ben Matheson, who's in this church, on a journey across um, the, the interior of the Democratic Republic of Congo. We were traveling um, by Jeep, and um, at one point in the journey. Um, it became apparent to those driving and looking after us that, that they felt we were being chased by bandits. So we pulled off of the, the dirt road and went hurtling into the bush. By this point, it was dark. It was pretty terrifying. And, um, and it was a really scary experience. And we arrived after about half an hour of hurtling through the bush. How we didn't kill ourselves hitting trees and going off ravines, I have no idea. But we eventually stopped. And, and the fear in our party was palpable you could just feel it It was thick in the air and we got out and you could just see from people's faces that things were not going well and um the 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 guy looking after us he, um, he, he looked at me and he said Richard our strategy is this when they come for you and they will come for you um you get down on your hands and your knees and you crawl into the bush and you lie absolutely still and you hope that when morning comes, someone comes for you. Now, at this point, I began to pray. And I began to pray for my wife and for my kids and say, God, I just want you to look after them and I'm just going to have to trust them with you. And now, actually, obviously, I made it through the night and I'm still here. it kind of ruins the tension of the story, isn't it? <laughs> when you realise that you're still here. <laughs> it's like when you watch a film and you know the ending. Or it's not quite the same. Anyway. <laughs> but in that moment, I'm thinking, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is this what I want to give my life for? Is this what I want to lay down my life for? But you know I realized that actually, whether we're in the terrifying moment in the middle of the African jungle thinking that bandits are about to come and eat us, or whether we're living normal everyday life, all of us, all the time, are giving our lives for something. See, we we find it easier to think in those terms in the big dramatic moment, don't we? Like the missionary who went overseas and they gave their life for the gospel. But actually every single one of us in this room is called to give their life for the gospel. And when it's not under immediate threat, we're not always so aware that actually you are spending every second, every minute of your day on something. So what are you giving your life for? Because you might not get murdered tomorrow. Let's hope not, eh? But you're still giving your life for something. You're still giving your life for something. And you were made to give your life for the glory of God. You were made to lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Because whether you die or not is not the point. You're supposed to be a living sacrifice, which is your true and proper worship to God. And everything about your life is supposed to bring him glory and honor. Every minute of every day is supposed to be an adventure. Whether it's doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, reading that textbook at university that you don't know how anyone ever in the whole of human history found that stuff interesting. Whether it's faithfully doing that job that you'd really rather not be in right now. Whether it's holding on in there in that relationship that you're really, really struggling with. Whether it's faithfully bringing up your children. Whatever it is, whatever circumstance. Whether it's in that scary moment where someone said to you, what do I have to do to be a Christian? Or whether it's in the the daily life of just trusting that though no one ever asks you what they have to do to be a Christian, you trust that the way you are living your life, doing your job, bringing up your kids, living your, in your family, whatever it is, is bringing glory and honour to Jesus. Everything you do is about him. Everything you do is for him. Jesus gave his life so that your life could fulfill its purpose Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that you could do what you were made for so that you could be set free from living life your own way and you could say my life will be all about him and his glory do you know what sometimes we make that decision we think great I've got into heaven that's it and then we just get on with our lives but that's not the decision we made that is not the commitment we made when we gave our lives to him we said I will turn away from living life my own way And I will make my life all about you. He calls us to that again. He calls us to that each and every day. He says, if you want to follow me, then take up your cross and die to yourself every single day. Let your life be about me and my glory. But it does not send you off to look around, to scrabble around in the dirt, desperately trying to see, can I find anything of worth or value in my life to offer to him? But he pours out himself into your life. That's why Jesus died, so that he could cleanse you and make you whole and pour himself into your life, so that you could receive the Spirit of God and by the Spirit who is in you, you could manifest the glory of God. You could move in power, You could produce the character of God in your life. You could offer hope in hopeless situations. Of course you can't offer hope in hopeless situations if you're just a person. The reason you can offer hope in hopeless situations is because you are more than just a person. You are a person in whom God dwells by his Spirit. This is the call upon our lives not to desperately go out there fulfilling some onerous task or duty because we'll feel really, really guilty if we haven't at least done something by the time the preacher gets up next week. But actually saying, God, you have poured out so much into my life. And there's so much more for me to see. And I just want to steward what you have given to me. And I want to recognise the glory that you pour out into my life. I want to recognise the goodness that you pour out into my life. I want to recognise how magnificent you are. And I want my life to reflect just something of you. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. It's just that there was another half to that sentence. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Do you know what? Even if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you can do it right now. In this moment, you can get real with God. God. You can ask him to forgive you for not having lived your life entirely for him and his purpose. And you can say to him, commit to him, pledge to him, from this moment, I want to live my life for what it was made for. You might not fully understand everything yet, but it comes down to this. Will you believe that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you, to pay the price for the forgiveness of your rejection of God? To purchase your acceptance and your forgiveness, and to fill you with Himself. You might not understand what that looks like, but would you open your heart and say, Do it, Lord. Pour out yourself into my life so I can fulfill the purpose for which You made me to bring glory and honor to You. He is the light of the world. He's the glory and the magnificence of God himself. He is altogether wonderful, glorious, beautiful. He's stunning. He does take your breath away when you truly gaze upon his splendor and majesty. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. To bring glory to Jesus. To make him famous. And at least half of our preaching between now and December is going to be focused on just that. Different ways in which our lives, both individually and together as a community, can make Jesus famous. Apparently my time is up. (sighs) But I want to encourage us. In how we listen to what God has to say to us through these messages. And not to hear when God challenges us in how our lives can make him famous. In how our lives can bring glory and honour to him in the way that they were supposed to from the very beginning. As God challenges us on those things, I want to encourage us not to listen to that as just another task that we have to do. More being heaped upon your plate. It's like I knew I had to do this, this and this and now they're telling me that I have to heal the sick. And now they're telling me that I have to like, be full of joy every moment of every day. And, and now they're telling me that when people are in need around me in the office, I always have to be the one to fulfill the needs. And, and now they're telling me that, you know, that I should never forsake meeting together with all the believers because we've got to be community and demonstrate that. And, and now they're adding still more and they're telling me I've got to go on the streets and I've got to do evangelism. And now they're telling me I've got to be a great mother or father. And, and it's like, don't hear it like that. Don't hear it like that. Just steward what God gives to you. Because he will pour out glory in your life. He will pour out glory in your life. And actually this is an incredible privilege because it's an invitation to partner with the God who loves you who is for you, who you can entirely trust. He is not a taskmaster waiting for you to fail. He is a loving father who longs to pour out glory into your life in response to the prayer that Jesus, his son, prayed for you 2,000 years ago. He wants to pour out glory into your life so that you can use that which he has given you to bring glory and honour back to him. So we will look in more detail and we'll look at practical things. But this is an invitation to partner with God in an amazing circle of glory. This is about an invitation to receive glory from God and to steward it by the way that we live, speak, think, worship, love. Christ is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, but in him we too have been brought to fullness because he is the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And there are wonderful, glory-filled times ahead of us when we just accept what he will pour out in our lives and joyfully say, yes, I'll be a part of that. Amen? God bless you.